Greenfield here with BRI's first episode of The Bright Side of Benefits. This is a series for benefits professionals and consultants where we talk about the latest news and happenings in employee benefits, all in easy to digest bite-sized snippets. I'm the VP of Strategy for Benefit Resource, a third-party benefits administrator headquartered in Rochester, New York. For over 20 years, I've been dedicated to the education and advancement of consumer-driven benefits. I'm here today with Ron Daly, BRI's Director of Partnerships and Alliances. He's worked in the benefits industry about 11 years. Hi, Ron. Hello, Becky. I'm happy to be here. Today, we'll be talking about where we believe the health benefits landscape is headed in 2022 and beyond. Thanks, Ron. Uh, Before we do that, let's start with a little background on premium trends. So for the past 20 years, likely longer, premiums have been increasing. This is not news to anyone. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation's annual employer health benefits surveys, the average premiums for family coverage increased from approximately $7,000 in 2001 to an average of over $22,000 in 2021. This represents a 20-year increase of 215%. Meanwhile, the cumulative rate of inflation was 57%. At the peak of these trends, premiums were increasing at four and a half times inflation. The good news, there has been some slowing in these trends, which actually aligns with the increased use of deductibles. The average deductible for a PPO increased from around $200 in 2001 to nearly $1,700 in 2021. During this time, we saw high deductible health plans with savings accounts increase from just fractional percentages to approximately 28% of covered workers. But it begs the question, can we continue to increase deductibles in order to control increases or are there opportunities for something new? So let's discuss what are some of those possible trends we will see in the next five years and beyond. We'll dive into that in just a minute, but I, could, I guess I could say gone are the days of the 200 to $500 deductible. Costs are up for all sides and HSAs seem to be the best way to address it. Let's take a look at that. Thanks, Ron. This brings us to our first prediction, a push to improve HSAs. Anyone that knows me knows I'm a little bit of an HSA nerd, which is likely influencing the ranking on this one, but I do think there will be a push to improve HSAs. When we talk with both sides of Congress, there is support for some common sense changes to HSAs. First, there is support to remove some of the constraints preventing individuals eligible for Medicare, TRICARE, and VA benefits from contributing to HSAs. Additionally, there is an appetite to revisit and simplify the definition of what it is to be a qualified high deductible health plan. There is a little bit of a gap on what those solutions are. Some would like to see the requirement removed altogether, Others are open to modifying the definition of a high deductible so that anyone with a high deductible would be able to contribute to an HSA even if they receive some limited benefits before the deductible. 
Both of these changes would make HSAs more accessible and allow individuals to better save for expenses both today and in the future. Thank you, Becky. Now, prediction number two, the convergence of health plan options. As Becky mentioned, the average deductible pretty much meets the definition of a high deductible health plan. PPOs and all plans have increased their deductibles where there's likely that convergence of the high deductible health plan with a savings option. It's becoming increasingly important that employers and participants understand the tools at their disposal. We need to demystify the high deductible health plan. Many hesitate to go to a high deductible health plan with a savings option based on the name high deductible. But this is the best option for certain employers. Small adjustments to a PPO design can ensure employees are eligible to contribute to an HSA. This allows employees to better manage and save for their medical expenses, which helps employers as well. Thanks, Ron. That brings us to our, our third prediction uh, for an increased or improved price transparency. Price transparency has been a great theory for the better part of the last two decades. But I think we might actually see some movement here through some new legislative actions. First, there is the No Surprises Act, which is intended to protect consumers from certain surprise billings, including air ambulance claims, emergency services, and even non-emergency services that end up being billed as out of network, even though they're performed at an in-network facility. It effectively sets limits on what can reasonably be billed and provides a structure for dispute resolution between the plan and the out-of-pocket network provider. Then there's also the Transparency and Coverage Act, which requires plans to publish information regarding the rates for in-network providers and prescription drug rates, along with the historical data regarding covered amounts. This was set to begin for any plans beginning in January of this year, but it's actually been deferred and will begin on July 1st, 2022 or later. We are going to dive into these a little bit deeper in an upcoming episode of The Bright Side of Benefits. And prediction number four, to strengthen health and wellness. Help workers identify and address health risks and unhealthy behaviors before they result in costly medical expenses. They'll be on simple assessments to provide more comprehensive management and assistance in the form of digital programs, online counseling services, and more. Regarding mental health, from a recent article in Benefits Pro Magazine, I'll quote, the pandemic has forced attention onto this complex component of the remote workforce management by negatively impacting the mental health of 78% of the global workforce. With so many working from home and so many others anxious about exposure to the COVID-19 virus, it's imperative in 2022 that employers explore innovative ways that meet employees where they are as anxiety and depression remains at elevated levels. Does the EAP you recommend or the EAP you offer to your employees, does it provide the mental health coverage that they need? Something to think about. Another option that employers have is a, what we call a specialty account. It's a post-tax account that allows uh, employers to offer additional 
uh, funds for say gym memberships, yoga classes, it could be the last mile scooter program for their commuter needs, health seminars, and a whole host of other services that can benefit employees and employers as well. Lots to think about in the health and wellness space for sure. Mm -hmm. The fifth and final prediction is regarding an increase in targeted communications regarding benefits. Targeted communication is on the rise. And while this trend is well underway, it is likely to continue. Benefits have traditionally been a data dump that occurred just a few weeks a year in which employees were overwhelmed by the sheer volume of information. Rather than making thoughtful, informed decisions, many employees ended up making rushed last minute choices. But expectations are shifting. Consumers are getting personalized experiences everywhere. Uh, when they shop, when they engage in social media, when they navigate the web, even if they enter a physical store. I think benefits are ready to join this trend of personalization on a much broader scale. Well, thank you so much, Becky. As we wrap up, we'd like to ask you what you'd like us to cover in a future episode of The Bright Side of Benefits. Send us an email to the address provided, and if we choose your topic, we'll send you a pretty cool gift. Now, we promise it won't be leftover BRI Chotskys. <laughs> and on a bright note, this quote from Albert Einstein I love, life is like a bicycle. To keep your balance, you got to keep moving. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to join us. Have a great week.